Tonight I would like to speak to you for just the while we have together on uh, something very uh, simple uh, and especially thinking of salvation and what it means in our pioneer girls and all others who may be here tonight. Uh, I had read recently in one of the papers some statements by the early uh, forefathers of our country and uh, George Washington had said in one of his letters it's impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible and then William Penn had said men will either be governed by God or ruled by tyrants and then I like what Abraham Lincoln said and he said, I believe in God, the almighty ruler of all nations, our great and good and merciful creator, our Father in heaven, who loves me and notes the fall of the sparrow and has numbered the hairs on our, on our heads. I believe in his eternal truth, Christ, and justice, the ultimate judgment of man. Tremendous statement. And in connection with that, I thought it would be well if we would think of just the uh, possibly three greatest questions, if we get to it, that might be posed to us, to any human heart on earth, if they are to understand what life means and where we're going. And uh, I think the first question, the three questions would be this, if I were to pose the questions, it would be, how can I become a Christian? What is the way for me to become a Christian? And uh, the second would be, how can I be sure that I'm a Christian? And then, of course, the third would be, how can others know that I'm a Christian? And I think those three things would cover pretty much what the thought of these men's hearts. Many of you probably have read The Will of George Washington. It always thrills me when I read some of the old documents and I read, you know, how they finish their will and say, in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, in some of these early fathers, they would say, above all other things that I have left to you, my children, is my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I think of how little we hear of this anymore in this day we're living in. The first question I said is, how may I become a Christian? And this is the most important thing of all. Uh, for upon its answer determines your destiny. And this is for the pioneer girls, for leaders, for Mothers and fathers here tonight, it doesn't matter who we are. As I said this morning, king or pauper makes no difference. The ground at the foot of the cross is always the same. It has no distinctions for wealth, position, prestige, caste, color, race. It has nothing to do with this. All stand equal at the foot of the cross. And what we do with Jesus Christ is the determining factor as to where we will spend eternity. I thought of a verse where it says, it is not the will of the Father that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
And if I might, I'd like to use that word repentance because it's a very important word. We don't hear it much anymore. Uh, somehow you listen to men talk about Christ and salvation today and uh, the terminology seems to be uh, just uh, take Christ into your heart and uh, you're saved uh, and that's it as though nothing else was ever said. But I would remind you that salvation is dependent upon repentance from sin. Uh, if the sin question is not settled, nearly everybody would like to go to heaven. And if salvation is just a matter of taking Christ into the heart so that we can get to heaven, this is not at all what God demands from the sinner. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come into the world to take us to heaven. Heaven is our destiny when we come to Jesus Christ as personal Savior. But heaven is not our destiny just because we have heard the message although we may not have received him into our very souls. And repentance is necessary. Repentance from sin. The word repentance is very clear. It is not the will of the Father that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance, you see. This is the way of salvation. Repentance. Repent ye for the kingdom of the heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The word repent, if you want to follow it in your... In your Bible, take your concordance in the back of your Bible or one at home and follow the word repent or repentance and see how much God has to say. Without repentance, you cannot be saved. It's impossible because repentance indicates that you acknowledge you are a sinner. There must be the acknowledgement in our hearts that we need Jesus as our Savior. All we have to do is look inside to know that we need Christ as our personal Savior. Now, the word repentance is a very interesting word. The word repentance really means, well, someone has said it means about face or turn around or turn back. And if I could use it in that sense of turning around or about face, this is what the word repentance means. Suppose I just use it in several areas in this way. It would be, repentance would be turning about toward God, turning around toward God and toward the cross. You've been walking in your own way and you've been walking with the cross behind you. And as you're going along life's way, whether you're young or old, the cross of Christ has a call upon you. It's the only means of God's redemption. It demands acknowledgement that you're a sinner for Christ did not go to the cross for any purpose but to die for sin. That's all. He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so we're walking with the cross at our back and when we hear the message of God for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. No little girl, no young girl, no older young person here no adult has been saved except by the faith of the, that has been brought by the hearing of the word of God. You can't be saved otherwise. Peter says we are born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. The new birth depends upon the word of God. It tells us that whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. It requires faith. Faith is that which is brought into the heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
And so you're going this way and you hear the message of God. Maybe you came into a church. Maybe you were at some conference. Maybe it was some revival meeting. But you were there. Everybody knows this tonight. I know it without a doubt. I know when I was saved. I don't know the specific moment. But I know the year I was saved. The trial was so great that I was under. I don't even remember the specific moment. But I know when I came to Christ. I know when I got on my knees and took Christ as my personal Savior. It was an instant. Birth, being born again, is an instant. Birth is an instant. When you are born into this world, it is an instantaneous birth. And the new birth is that which happens in the heart. We're walking that way. It's not because mother and daddy are Christians. It has nothing to do with it. It does have to do with it if mother and daddy have been leading you to Christ. But it is not because they're Christians that you're Christians. It isn't because a husband's Christian that the wife is Christian. It's because we've been walking away from God and we hear the message of God. You came into a church. You came to a revival meeting. You heard the message. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you were saved and you knew it. And you had repented from your sin. Listen, many times it's tears. Many times the tears just flow down because you know the weight of sin that God has had to forgive to cleanse you and to bring you to himself. And that's why he made Christ sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. In other words, this great transaction takes place so that we know we're redeemed. So we have turned about. We've been going away from God. We turn about and we walk toward God. Or I might be walking that way, away from that cross, and I turn around and I see Christ crucified for me, dying for my sins, and then I hear that he's risen from the dead and that that cross now empty means that his sacrifice was sufficient for my sins. For God raised him from the dead. If God didn't raise him from the dead, I wouldn't know it. How would I ever know that Jesus was the Savior and the Redeemer unless God had raised him from the dead, unless he was risen, you see? It would be impossible. The moment he arose, he became different than everybody else, didn't he? Everybody else in all the world, he became different. He was raised bodily from the dead so that we might know that the cross was the means of our redemption was complete and nothing need ever be added to that. And so it's a turning about. You're walking out the door of the church without Christ and you look back at that cross and the cross brings your heart down deep into despair over your sin and you cry out to God for forgiveness. That's repentance. And God forgives you and cleanses you and Christ pays the penalty for all your sins and he's risen to keep you forever. And this is the word repentance, but it has other meanings besides that. It has another meaning. It's turning away from all your sins too. It's not only being saved. It's not only repenting of the past sins. That's wonderful. Sins all forgiven. Isn't, there, isn't that the most wonderful thing? Do you, are you conscious adults and are you conscious young people? Not as much as we adults. But are you conscious that you've actually been forgiven of sin? Do you still go over those old things? Do you still haunt your minds with something you did last year or last week or ten years ago? God says they're in the deepermost parts of the sea. I will remember them no more. And while there is a time after you sin, even after God's forgiven you, that there may be a time of remorse in your soul because of what you've done. If you're still thinking back ten years, something's wrong. It should be that complete freedom from sin. That's the past. 
It's gone. It's its own. Remember, you died. That's what happened. You died with Christ on the cross. That's what Paul says. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me now. You see, it's a big difference now. I died there, so a new life began. I was born again. I died, and now I have a new birth. It's a new beginnings, you see. New beginnings, brand new, fresh, vital, real, so that you can know that this is that new life that God has given you. You're a new creature, Paul says, in Jesus Christ. And so it's not only the forgiveness for the past sins, but now you've turned away from the sins that you've forgiven. You see? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whosoever covereth his sins shall never prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall find mercy. There's a lot of confessing, little forsaking. There has to be the confession and the forsaking. They go together. Anybody confessing sins with the intention of not forsaking, forget it. You're not fooling God. You never fool God about anything. How silly. But when we confess our sins, we forsake our sins. Repentance is not only that turning about face and turning toward the cross, but it's turning away from those sins that defiled us and living for Jesus Christ. And so number two, repentance is turning away from your sins. In other words, there's a new life that's coming to you. You're a new creature. All things have passed away, haven't they? All things have become new. That's what you say. That's what you quote. Does, is it real? You can determine whether you're saved or not tonight, whether it's real. Has something happened vital in your life? You were committing some sins before, they're, they're stopped because you're saved. Oh, you may fall. There may be times when the enemy comes in like a flood and you forget to raise up the standard of the Lord. But God still will forgive if you're walking in the Spirit. The thing is that the habit of your life will now be a changed one because you have repented, you've not only turned to the cross, you've turned away from your sins. Then there's another turning, if I can say. I'm using the word turning because repentance means either turning about. In this case, I would say turning upward. Not only have we turned away from our sins, not only have we been forgiven for our sins, but we turn upward to Jesus Christ. We begin to look heavenward. We stop looking around at people for comparisons. Do you look at other Christians to see where you stand? How silly can you be? You never look at another Christian to see where you stand. You look at Jesus to see where you stand. You never live a comparative Christianity. A comparative Christianity is the lowest of spirituality because you're merely comparing yourselves, as Paul said, with yourselves or with somebody else. And if you do this, comparing yourself with someone else or comparing yourself with yesterday, you're a little better today, so you're a better Christian. has nothing to do with it, you see. You are always looking upward. You're turning upward, setting your affections on things above where Christ dwells. And then whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. Philippians 4, 7. You see, this is, the, this is the message of God. It's the turning upward to Jesus Christ. 
Then number four, it's turning to a born-again preacher. It's turning to a church where the message of God is preached. I am not of the opinion that people who really get redeemed and get the fire of God in their hearts can never be satisfied under phlegmatic preaching without the Holy Spirit of God. You'll discern it immediately. Let me ask you, Christian, how long does it take you when you walk into a church to know whether it is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ or not? Not very long. You only have to listen to the first few minutes of the message to know whether the man is a solid, true believer in Jesus Christ or not. So it is not only the turning away, it's not only the wonderful turning to the cross, it's not only the turning to, to Christ in every way, but it's turning to the church and to a preacher that you know is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, is preaching divine truth, and you believe it with all your heart, and you want something that will satisfy the human soul. And so repentance takes in turning to the gospel of Christ and a place where it's preached. Boy, I think we forget this sometimes. We forget it in many of our great campaigns that there is a turning to the church of Christ for the food of Christ. You cannot be fed unless the man in the pulpit has the Holy Spirit dwelling in his breast. It's an impossibility. The man in the pulpit must be filled with the Spirit of God so that the people of God know the power of God is residing in that place and is being ministered to their souls. And their lives are being changed day by day. They remember things that have been said from the pulpit. They remember things they have read in the fine books in the library in that church. They remember things that the Sunday school teacher has said to them. They remember things that the pioneer girl leaders have said to their girls. The brigade boys, all of the different organizations, they remember the things that have been said. Why? Because they have sought out, they have turned to a church with a born-again preacher, a born-again ministry that believes that heaven depends on being born again. This is essential. Yet we find a little of it today. Then it's turning in the past and forgetting it completely. Forgetting those things that are behind me, I press toward the prize of the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. I mentioned that before. Forgetting it. Don't hold grudges. Don't hold feelings. Don't hold that old sin within your breast that rankles within and crushes your soul. Get rid of it. Cleanse it out. Be a free man. Have a free soul. You can soar with Jesus Christ. But you have to be a free man. The Lord Jesus says, Whosoever the Son shall make free, he is free indeed. Free to walk with him. Free to know that he's on the road to heaven. Free from all of the governments of men because the government of Jesus Christ is greater and satisfying Christ, he'll satisfy any human government ever conceived in the heart of man because he is subject to the law of God and not to the law of man. So there is that turning in the past. Then, beloved, there's turning for grace. 
against law. In other words, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Grace is God's favor to all of us. God's favor. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God before ordained that we should walk in them. And so there is that turning to grace and never seeking by any other method to get into the kingdom. Are you saved tonight? Do you now think that now that you're saved, you're going to add to your salvation by some works that you do? You cannot add to your salvation. Your salvation cannot be made one iota more definite than the day you came to Jesus Christ as personal Savior because that day you died and you were made alive in Christ Jesus. That is a fact that happened that time. And all the works in the world may affect your rewards when you see your Savior face to face. But those works have not one little bit to do with your salvation. Remember that. Salvation is by grace through faith and that's it. Nothing else. It is the gift of God. Remember, it's a gift. Young folks, it's a gift. Salvation is God's gift to you in that mere faith that we have. That little faith though it may be, in Jesus Christ as personal Savior that saves us all. And so, beloved, repentance means many things. It means turning toward the cross. It means turning away from our sins. It means turning to God in a different way than ever before. It means turning ourselves upward that we may see his face. It means turning to a church where the message of God is preached. This is all involved. These things are all involved. If you're to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, every single one of these things is necessary. The repentance that saves the soul is the first thing. That's the facing of the cross. But then the minute you've taken the cross, then you walk and you fulfill all of these other things. You turn to Christ. You seek his face. You forget the past. You seek to be a blessing to others. You're the kind of a person that has a free soul and is filled with the Spirit of God and you yearn for a happy family life, the joy of a mother and father with the children to be in church together, the happiness that only can come as you are true born-again Christians who are in love with Jesus Christ as personal Savior. That's what I pray for everybody here tonight. Girls, that's what I pray for you, that you may love Jesus. I wouldn't want one girl in my pioneer girls... I don't think we have pioneer girls, see, for any other reason but to bring girls to Jesus Christ and then that they may live that kind of a life that God wants them to live. That's what I want every parent to know, that we're seeking to bring your child to love the Savior so that the Savior will live in them by faith and you will see as a mother and father the reflection of Christ in your daughter. I pray that, what I pray for the brigade too, any group. And so may this be the portion of our girls tonight. I know it's the portion of our leaders. They love the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. What I pray for them, I pray for the girls, all of you here tonight, that you've really repented in a big way. Not just that faith, you know, that Paul speaks in one place about 
He got into heaven by the skinny of teeth. As he puts it, saved as if by fire. That's about it. Just about made it. No, that might be repentance, the first little step. But all those other steps coming in together, you'll grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank thee for thy precious word, and we pray tonight, Lord, that you'd bless all of our girls and pioneer girls. We pray tonight that if any of them have not yet received Christ as their personal Savior, they would do so. Lord, we would ask thee to touch every girl's heart. May she make sure, and may each mother and father know that the yearning of this church is that we might so teach their daughters that they will come to love Jesus as their Savior and that in their homes they will show what it means to have Christ in their heart. Bless each one. Bless our hearts together. May we truly rejoice in Jesus Christ. We pray in his blessed name. Amen.